Hi everyone, Klee Smith from The Fabulous 413 here. A quick addendum about today's show. We mentioned within the show that Little Amal's journey visits Ashfield on September 9th, and this is incorrect. She actually makes her stop in Ashfield on September 10th, that's Sunday, not Saturday. Same time though, and you can still find more information about that on Double Edge and Little Amal's websites. Apologies for this oversight, and that said, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. A huge thanks to Terry Gross for opening up for us totally. with fresh air for the first time. If and you're Sadie Smith. Tuning, <laughs> and Sadie Smith, yes. <laughs> tuning into this show for the first time due to the format change. First, thank you for sticking with us. And second, a little bit about this show. As the name The Fabulous 413 suggests, we're focusing on happenings here in Western Mass. I like to say that it's sort of a Mr. Rogers neighborhood for grown-ups, introducing you to the interesting people and places that make up our 413 neighborhood. And today we even have puppets coming to the land of Maple Leaf, which we call Ashfield. But more (laughs) on that in a minute. Later in the show, we'll take a look at the Mattoon Street neighborhood of Springfield, and we'll hear about the half-century-old arts festival that will once again be happening on Mattoon Street this weekend. But as promised puppets, or at least one. Little Amal is the giant 12-foot puppet representing a 10-year-old Syrian refugee child at the heart of an art experience called The Walk. Little Amal has become a global symbol of human rights, especially the rights of refugees. Since July of 2021, Little Amal has traveled over 6,000 miles to 97 towns and cities in 15 countries and has been welcomed by more than a million people on the streets, including hundreds of artists and civil society and faith leaders, as well as tens of millions online. Her journeys are festivals of art and hope that draw attention to the huge number of children fleeing war, violence, and persecution, each with their own story. Her message to the world? is don't forget about us. Between this Thursday, September 7th, and November 5th of this year, Amal will journey 6,000 miles across the United States, visiting more than 35 towns and cities, starting in Boston and making her way to San Diego. A thousand plus artists and arts organizations will create over 100 free public events to welcome her. And one of the very first here in the U.S. will be in Ashfield, Massachusetts, where little Amal will be hosted by Double Edge Theater and the Okiteo Cultural Center. And joining us from Double Edge is Carlos Uriona and from Okiteo, Larry Spotted Crow Man. Thank you both very much. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank, you, Thank both. you. Thank you for having us. Welcome to the studio here. So the artistic body behind Little Amal is The Walk Productions and it's an association with Handspring Puppet Company. Carlos, do you want to talk about what the, that theater company is all about? Uh, I, I think... And um, I started this relationship fairly recently because of the, the, the they uh, choosing us to be one of the stops, mm. which was an honor. Um, it started with this idea of this puppet, mm-hmm. and um, there are there are in Europe um, four, five, maybe six. Uh, companies that produce this type of uh, mechanic puppets that are so big, large, manipulated by three, four tech people, and um, and they are larger also. Um, this one is this particular one is is uh, I think it was um, emblematic, 
And when they talked to me, um, I immediately thought the person that talked to us was somebody that have, had already collaborated with um, Double Edge and Okiteo in the early stages of Okiteo, um, Jamie Bennett, who now lives in, in Montreal. And he said, you know, I thought it was a good idea uh, because it's about displaced people and there's a lot of meaning about that. And, and why don't you talk to Larry and see if they're interested, Okiteo is interested in this because of all the connotations that are about uh, violence and displacement of people. Mm. So I thought that's, I thought it was a great idea, but I, you know, I needed to consult so I talked to Larry. <laughs> and, or or, yeah. or Stacy talked to Larry. <laughs> yeah. And Double Edged Theater, I mean, even the name says quite a bit about what you do, and we can get into that a little bit more. But if people aren't familiar with Okiteo, we have had many guests on over the course of the very brief history of this show. <laughs> Uh, in, including six months old. Rhonda Anderson <laughs> and uh, Tamantha Silver, uh, Sylvester, who we just had on talking about the removal of the quote-unquote Big Indian statue uh, just a couple weeks ago. But Larry Spotted Crow Man, for those who aren't familiar with Okiteo, what is Okiteo? Kwai kwai, niwichi, I am the Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Um, Okiteo means a place to plant and grow. It's in my Nipmunk language. Um, it is the first and only indigenous-run and operated cultural center in all of Western and Central Mass. Uh, it's a plate of art, culture, uh, education, wellness, uh, place-based learning. Uh, we have res uh, residencies. We have artists in residence. Uh, we do a multitude of programming for indigenous, uh, our indigenous community and also for the public to educate in indigenous pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And uh, on and on. And we have so many amazing things that we just keep doing because we are... Uh, four years young, and uh, it's been such a need for such a place, and uh, we're finding so many opportunities to uplift and share and the, 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 to bring a platform to artistic expression to so many artists. And um, and that's one thing I'll just mention real quick uh, in terms of um, the Amal, how, uh, how much I really um, uh, enjoy the honor of um, hosting uh, Amal because uh, sharing such an important message through artistic expression is uh, part and parcel of what we do at Okiteo and uh uh, having a powerful message that's talking about something so um, so meaningful and needed uh, throughout the world is, is a big, important issue. We're speaking with Larry Spotted Crow Man from Okiteo and Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater, who are welcoming Little Amal, a 12-foot puppet, to downtown Asheville this Saturday in the town common, 1230 to 1.30. Um, there's another company, Carlos, that is also helping to co-produce this particular event in Asheville that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, this um, visit then, when when we started the conversations, we, we were mentioning to them that we were having this convening of uh, about 50 artists from all over the country. Um, the convening is also co-produced with another partner of Double Edge Theater, like Okiteo's Jupiter Performance Studio, which is mostly based in Harlem, New York. And maybe if you recall, they presented something like a work in progress uh, in the name of the mother tree that is going to be presented at the Apollo Theater. Amazing. Um, and it was co-produced with Double Edge and the National Black Theater. Um, Jupiter Performance Studios, particularly Ebony Noel Golden, the director curated this convening that we call Art and Survival, and this is the fourth edition. It started, Art and Survival started as a gathering of artists thinking about art and survival. This year, the emphasis will be in the environment and healing. 
and the power of healing, which intertwines perfectly well with, um, in my opinion, <laughs> with with the message, the the approach that the the walk production has with Little Amal. Um, Little Amal is a beautiful. In, in, again, in my opinion, what, what I thought, what I always think is that. Um, if we can, as artists, somehow remove ourselves from the words and from from the oral disc- discourse a little bit, you, you need some of them. But in this case, like Little Amalit, just its sheer presence, surrounded by people, it's, I mean, you know, I have goosebumps as thinking about this because you don't need to say anything else. I mean, this is a girl th- which they're, they're making like a zoom uh, lens on her. And that's all you need to understand the violence of war, the displacement of people. So when, when, when we told them that, that Jupiter Performance Studio was doing this, they thought it was a really good um, conf- confluence. Mm-hmm. Is that an English word? Yes. Or am I I'm talking <laughs> right? Was, no. <laughs> I just arrived from Argentina, so I still, <laughs> trying, I'm trying to go back and forth. I know it's oh, yeah, difficult. It's but like, the, one of the cool things about like, looking at uh, the site with Lulamal and her previous visits is, like you said, like, taking some of that context away or some of that like, barrier between what she's doing and, and the people away. Because when she makes a visit, like, it's not like a big grand thing. What she's doing are simple actions. Like she's walking, she's sleeping, she's gathering flowers. Like it's the, the humanity of those small, simple things and understanding how short the distance really is between like you and her situation. And I think like her visit here is really interesting because it, it sort of touches on a confluence of like the nature of refugees and where those refugees are including refugees in place. Um, but like that's that's a, a larger conversation that we yeah. get to have on Saturday when she makes her visit. Yeah. <laughs> We're speaking with Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater and Larry Spotted Crow Man from Okiteo, also in Ashfield. Ashfield will be where Little Amal will be coming this Saturday, 1230 to 130, one of many stops across the country, one of the first in this country. I want to hear a little bit more from Carlos and from Larry about how the the notion of displacement uh, is part of the missions that both of your organizations uh, have dealt with and how this could potentially, this giant puppet could be a piece of the puzzle of using art to heal those messages. More with Larry Spotted Crow Man and Carlos Uriona coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Glee Smith. We're here with Larry Spotted Crow Man from Ocateo Cultural Center and Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater, both in Ashfield. Two of the organizations that are welcoming a giant 12-foot puppet that represents the refugee crisis across the globe to the 413, to Ashfield. I should also mention there'll be a mass mocha on Sunday as well with Little Amal. And... Uh, Carlos. Each visit is a little bit different. So if you go to both of them, you'll see something a little bit different about Amal's life and her journey. So you can make plans in in that way, too. 
this is what amounts to a, a form of street theater. And I know Double Edge is uh, part of their mission for many years has incorporated elements of street theater, um, largely because of you. And, and revolutionary theater in regards to being displaced as you, Carlos, uh, as a young man, were in Argentina and were, you know, forced to flee a regime and use theater and the power of art to survive through that. Talk about how little Amal's puppetry resonates with you as an artist and with Double Edge. Well, before my experience, my my grandfather, my great-grandfather were also displaced. And some of them were killed young at 25, 28 for resisting uh, oppression, particularly during, you know, the, the, at the same time that here was... Um, Happening the the bread and roses mm-hmm. movements right. and and the movements in in Argentina was happening the same thing in factories and particularly with with people that were displaced from Albania or North Africa like my family and they came as workers and then they tried to u- get into unions and you know the dark story of one of my grandparents is is that he was killed in one of those actions. Um, that was something that the family never sort of overcame. And then when the next repression came up, well, there were several, but the last one that I was there um, came, um, I was involved already in movements. My my thinking at the time was that <clears throat> the way, and this is something that, that is also related to art and survival and what Ebony is curating, the, the creativity is a way of um, confronting these injustices. Um, I don't think, or, you know, early enough, and I still believe that uh, at my 60, almost 67 years, um, I don't think that the whole political thing or even a, a warfare would really make a transformation, but creativity and imagination can, and the understanding uh, what is our truth uh, as people? Uh, that's that's what what could create conditions to to transform injustice uh, or to bring justice back. So I used that in the streets since I was I was telling my grandchildren in this trip um, that I used to do invisible theater, which is a theater that happens but is not announced and it happens in a subway, right? We used to celebrate or make make believe that it was a, a wedding that w- failed, and then a priest in the subway. But nobody knew anything, and we would go stop by stop by nine stops, and then disappear immediately. So we weren't disappear for real. So that was, for instance, something I did, and I think that this that they're doing with little Amal is, is magnificent. Um, another incredible. Uh, action, direct action, which I think is it's creative and imaginative direct action that helps us all at least uh, um, foresee or intuit more than foresee a possibility. Because when we don't see possibilities is when we become, um, uh, we, we develop an anger that is against ourselves. And the imaginative nature of this being a puppet, it opens up a whole different realm of thought in regards to viewing humanity. Yeah. It is essentially non-human, but it is a giant 12-foot, gorgeous-looking puppet of a little girl that can't 
but make you think about the plight of an actual little girl or another little person or somebody somewhere who's been forced out of their home. And frankly, extra human, because there are so many humans who go into making her journey work. Yeah. Like, there's so much humanity just crammed in making Amal Amal. So... We're speaking about the visit of Little Amal to downtown Asheville this Saturday with Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater and Larry Spotted Crow Man from Okiteo Cultural Center. Larry, from your perspective, talk about uh, why the mission of Little Amal is important. I think um, it has a very profound resonance with me because um, uh, when we think about Little Amal, and I, and I think there's... Um, uh, I don't want to call it a backstory, but another story, another narrative that's taking place at the same time. Because um, I think it's so appropriate to have the first people of peoples of this land to be there to welcoming her, and uh, and uh, you know having we have a shared and lived experience of Little Amal and so many refugees, and it brings up that dialogue of removal and uh, Native peoples who've experienced removal, uh, and you know she's a little girl, and we've had thousands and thousands upon thousands of Native children stolen from their homes. Uh, uh, this country has yet to uh, acknowledge that in a very ho- wholesome way uh, to, to deal with those issues. Um, so it really, um, it's important to to have this conversation about um, who gets to say who gets to say who who belongs here and who has the the say over who gets to stay here and on all these conversations where uh, Indigenous people, the First Nations, are not part of that conversation of immigration. I think when those conversations take place and Indigenous peoples are not at the table. That conversation lacks integrity because um, you have one group of immigrants telling another group of immigrants they can't be here. Um, so it's, um, it, it's very troubling. And, and also that the fact that these are ongoing issues of, of, of displacement, of removal, of unresolved uh, trauma that's going on in this country. And so uh, welcoming uh, Amal, I think it's, um, it helps me as an indigenous person of this land, of this area that we're speaking on now, where the bones of my ancestors have been here for thousands of years and have and be able to welcome her in a way that my ancestors would have wanted it to happen and somebody who's been displaced and have that shared and lived experience to acknowledge that. But then also, um, I think the big takeaway for me is that, uh, as Carlos was talking about, the artistic expression of this, seeing this life-size, bigger-than-life child, whereas the pain is bigger than life that has been experienced by, by so many. So, okay, we're going to come and we're going to see this amazing artistic expression of the of the, of the puppet, and and so what do we where do we do from where do we go from there, right? Um, so what I'd like to see is how folks can um, take action to to help start talking about that dialogue about the the, the displacement, the crisis of of uh, people who don't who are homeless, right? Uh, the immigration crisis, and how we can work together to help affect change to. Um, to help deal with a lot of these issues that have been gone unnoticed by so many because, uh, I mean, when it's brown people, usually we don't see it. And that's just an unfortunate fact around the world. Uh, right here in our country, in different places around the world, when it's a brown face, it's always not always noticed. So uh, it's very important that, you know, through my art- artistic expression and we see these things that, are, you know, we have to get a giant puppet so we can see, so they can see us. So we're going to keep doing that. As I have mentioned before, we as Americans, as, as a new nation, are not particularly good at subtlety. So, like, you do really have to have something, like, three times as big as a normal human being to make them actually go, oh, wait a minute. I get it now. Yes. 
And the refugee crisis is here. I mean, we did a segment earlier about the Haitian refugees living in a, a hotel off of the Greenfield Rotary. So this is something that we are dealing with here in Western Massachusetts right now. Governor Moore Healy has declared this a crisis. Yeah. And Little yeah. Amal um, is an artistic way to speak to those issues. Yeah. And, uh, I, something I, when I was hearing Larry, I was remembering our first conversations when we started dreaming this collaboration one of the things between that, double edge and okiteo mm-hmm. yeah thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> in case you're just tuning in no um right i, th- I thought you were there already listening uh, yeah. but it's okay been. yeah some of you did some of you didn't yeah so we we one of the things that really called my attention when we talked the first time was that you larry spotted Croman sitting in front of me. Um, what you said is that we need we need to have a cultural center. And that was like, right? Like, because we went, well, how can we collaborate? What do you need? What can we do? So do you need a library? Do you need, you were like, no, no, no. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes, I do, yes. And I said, we need a place to uplift artists and the voices of the people who've been silenced. I mean, I've been a, artist all my adult life, 30 years and plus. Um, so, and I can tell, you know, the starving artist is real. So, and I know as a, as an artist of color, the, the, the roadblocks and the obstacles and all the hoops I had to judge to, to get my voice out there where I'm writing books where a non-native person can write it and they're getting accolades and they're in the New York Times and I'm writing the stuff from a first person experience and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, turtling along. And so, it, you know, it, it's real. So I said, by me having this platform, I get to do for others what, what, uh, couldn't happen for myself being, you know, coming up in the 80s and 90s. So it's exciting to be able to do this work and say, yeah, here you are. This Here's your platform. Here's your voice. Like, do your thing. Apart from Little Amal happening this Saturday in Ashfield that is being welcomed by Double Edge and Okiteo, what's coming up, Larry Spottacrow Man, with Okiteo in the, maybe this fall? Oh, yeah, we have so many wonderful things coming up. We've actually just finished up um, a, a full-length documentary uh, entitled Anoki. And it's done by a filmmaker, Mayoki Films, from uh, France. Uh, I don't know if I have time to get into the whole premise of the story sure, here. Sure, please do. Uh, so the story is based on actually my one of my uh, children, who uh, he's, he's an adult now. And the story follows his life uh, from a child of growing up on the Powwow Trail and showing all the difficulties of growing up as a Native American here in southern New England. And the story gets into the... Uh, the difficulties that he's experienced and how culture, community, and the Okitao culture center kind of helped bring him back. And uh, it's a really phenomenal story because if anybody's seen my book, The Morning Road to Thanksgiving, that's him on the cover when he was 10 years old. And uh, he captured, and the the filmmaker who, uh, uh, the person who took the photo uh, 15 years ago is the same person doing the film now. Wow. So it's kind of like she followed his whole life and, you know, so it's really a phenomenal experience to have her come back uh, uh, to do this film with him, and it was all shot on location, mostly at Okitao, um, and uh, with, with the help of the Double Edge folks. So it's re- we're really excited to do that um, that first screening. When will when will that be? October eleventh. All right, <laughs> October eleventh. <laughs> oh, you you got the two worst, eh, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Sometime Dates. in October is probably yeah. plenty. We'll Google it. Yeah. Dates is not there's for a whole, yeah. There's a website you should maybe check yes. for both of these yeah, things. Go to okitao.org. There you go. 
<laughs> what about you, Carlos, and Double Edge? You've just come off your uh, your summer spectacle, which Kalise and I went to and did for this show here, which was fantastic. Okay. The hidden territories of the Bacchae. What's coming up next for Double Edge Theater? So after this convening, uh, Art and Survival this week, which includes this Little Amal presentation, um, we will be co-presenting Enoki, and then we will be presenting in November. Uh, it's not premiering, but it's like a second premiere of uh, Lightning, directed by Jeremy Louis Eaton, uh, with a, whole, a full cast of the young Double Edge, um, and this Jeremy's first um, directing project. Um, that's that's going to be pretty much it, and also we we have um, living presence. Yes, we have living presence, and um, what's living presence? Living presence is our educational series that uh, we share things about cultural appropriation, uh, uh, our uh, native authors. We talk about uh, mascot issue, all the major issues that our uh, indigenous people are confronting around education, natives in STEM, and we we really confront those topics with an array of. Uh, Native scholars and non-native scholars. We have a panel hosted by Rhonda Anderson, and um, and we really dive deep. And uh, you can see all those uh, past living presents on uh, on okitale.org. And also, I'm really excited to say, amongst my books, I have a, a new book coming out soon. Uh, it's it's going to be my first children's book uh, for early education. So I'm really excited about that. Um, there's been a real call for children's literacy around indigenous education. Uh, just to share some numbers with you, there are only one percent on the market of children's books that represent indigenous peoples, 1%. And there are about 15 to 20% of trucks and dinosaurs. <laughs> and then for, for books reflecting the white audience is about 70%. Yes. And, I, and I believe black audience is about 20%. So these numbers are really staggering. So uh, I really wanted to start getting our children to be able to see themselves in the stories. And, uh, and this book is entitled The Adventures of Kateo, which is also another one of my sons I'm using for a story. <laughs> so my kids come in handy for my artwork. Mine, so. mine have two over here. It's years. smaller for, like, having also just written the children's book, it's smaller for, for the black population. There's still more books about, like, animals than there are about yes. black people. Yes, it's really astonishing, yes. Yes. And so we're, we're trying to change that. We're when, working on yeah. it. It's a work in progress. Yes, absolutely. And perhaps that's why we need to see the humanity a little more in each other, even if it takes the assistance of something like a giant puppet, like little Amal, who will be coming to Ashfield this Saturday uh, between 1230 and 1.30. Um, Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater, what do you hope somebody who leaves this convening of, of folks on the streets of downtown Asheville with this giant 12-foot puppet, what do you hope people will leave with after this Saturday's visit? I, I really hope that there is um, more generalized introspection and reflection inside more than talking outwards and that that leads to more action. Like we have this hotel with new neighbors in Greenfield. Mm -hmm. uh, what can we do? What can you do? It doesn't need to be a massive, you know, dream. It can be just, you know, maybe helping two of the families or even one of the families with their kids going to school and 
how can we help them establish themselves here in in this you know they they're they're living through trauma and catastrophe so that's my hope about doing these things um and also to see that there is a possibility to help somebody because this giant girl represents a girl that is probably now today living in a tent somewhere between France and and Greece in one in any of those countries there are camps and camps of people with little kids um they don't have a home they're in a foreign country they don't even know the language and here they are so here we have now is our new reality in western mass and what can we do that's what i hope and um for everybody i want to tell you um it's not at double edge theater right. we are going to get together at the commons where the the town hall is and that's where uh, okiteo larry will uh welcome little amal and larry what do you hope people will walk away with on saturday i hope folks walk away with um a plan a plan to take action steps to affect change um and i'm really excited about uh who may show up that we can collaborate and kind of circle an idea around how we can do things better, make things better for for our community, for people who are suffering. Um we you know, we have the we have the capability. We just need to have the willingness and, and the and the and I and I want folks to feel that they are empowered. Uh we all can do something. It's not always just uh donation. It's People have leverage. People know people. <laughs> people know people who know people, and there's di- many different facets of, of uh, opportunity to to help in, in just you know changing the perspective about uh, when somebody says things like, "Well, those people." That even a phrase like that, you could shift the conversation and say, "Wait a minute, what do you mean those people?" We, you know, remember you know our ancestors came you know uh, on at some point. So you know you have to you know think about you know your your journey uh coming here and things like that and think about the indigenous people who are still here and you know amongst this land and, and so kind of bringing all that together and and come up with a plan to to make change because um as carlos mentioned you know we uh, and i think that's the purpose of our our of our art our poetry our music and our our writings to really get people to think and 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 make some uh you know powerful changes that that can happen um and one thing i i, I say often is that um uh most of the things through history that happened that are beneficial for humanity did not happen through legislation <laughs> they didn't happen in any kind of government building they happened from people coming together and compelling the government to to do these kind of things and so that's what i think about that citizens just coming together and say hey no this is wrong this is maybe we should try it this way um so yeah Larry, Larry Spotted Crow man from Okiteo Cultural Center and Carlos Uriona from Double Edge Theater both in Ashfield Two of the organizations that will be welcoming the not-so-little 12-foot puppet Little Amal to downtown Ashfield on the Commons there at 1230 on Saturday. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you, Monty. Thank you. Thank you, Calis. Thank you, Calis. On the way, we gear up for an arts festival in downtown Springfield that's celebrating 50 years of gathering artisans of all types from around the area and bringing them together on Mattoon Street this very weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com.
Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Kalise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. This Saturday and Sunday, September 9th and 10th in Springfield, is the 50th anniversary of the Mattoon Street Arts Festival. Over 90 exhibitors, food vendors, and strolling musicians joining us to tell us about this neighborhood festival are organizers Jason Alves, Bob McCarroll, and Freya Bromwich. Bromwich? You were the only one I didn't get to ask beforehand, Freya. So, Leah. Freya Bromwich. Bromwich. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, say all of the letters. Yes, Bromwich it is. There we go. So this um, Mattoon Street, let's right go. By, it's in my neighborhood. I love, I just figured this out, like where where it is exactly. So I'm in McKnight, but where okay. this is, is like maybe about like five blocks from my house. I can totally walk. I'm psyched. But if you're not familiar with the uh, geography of Springfield, Jason, who is an associate professor of computer information technology at Stick, who uh, reached out to us about this excellent thing, tell us about uh, Mattoon Street and where it is. So, uh, Mattoon Street is located in downtown Springfield. It is a series of essentially what people call row houses, uh, but uh, it has the feel of downtown Boston or maybe Brooklyn. Uh, it's a n number of Victorian buildings that were built out during the late 19th century. Um, See, when I hear row houses, I think of one thing, but these to me look like uh, brownstones. Oh, yeah. brown. Yeah. Uh, Which I guess are technically are a type of row, row houses, right. but yes. like, yeah, the row houses where I live in Turner's Falls cost a lot less than a brownstone in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> think, think of like the uh, uh, South End in Boston yeah. or, 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 like or Back Bay. Back yeah. Bay, yeah. exactly. Right, exactly. So it's a really cute, fun little neighborhood. It's not far from the museums, right? It's right behind museums. there. Yeah. yeah. And 50 years this uh, art festival has been going on. Bob McCarroll, I understand you're sort of the historian uh, amongst us here. Uh, tell us how this art festival started in a neighborhood in Springfield. Well, you know, 50 years ago, um, Mattoon Street was deteriorated and frumpy. And there were people interested in restoring the area, and they had some bought houses to invest in, some bought houses to fix in, and there were folks back then that decided that an arts festival would be a nifty way to attract people to the neighborhood so they could realize the potential of, of this neighborhood because it is unique in western Massachusetts. You will not find another street um, lined with what I'm going to call designer <laughs> row houses. Uh -huh. you know? yeah. I like that. It's all about the marketing. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> row houses are their own thing from city to city, frankly. Yeah, they yeah. certainly they can are. be. But yeah. if you call them brownstones, people can charge an extra million dollars yeah. or something. Oh, and, uh, how? So we just talked with uh, the folks from Asheville about how they're trying to bring art and have been bringing art to downtown Asheville and how transformative that is to a community. Bob McCarroll, um, ha has this festival been instrumental in transforming that neighborhood? Has it been successful over these last 50 years? Well, well, certainly the neighborhood um, is is relatively restored. So um, that has happened. You know, I don't know to what degree. The festival, though, continues to put a focus on the neighborhood. And it sort of is the neighborhood's celebration to invite the rest of the region to come visit. And we've literally had exhibitors show up and say, I've never done a show in such a beautiful area. <laughs> I mean, I, that tracks with the list of people that you have coming in. Some of them have been coming for like 20 years. 
from your from your exhibitor list like you've had people coming in for like decades you know 20 like 19 18 years it's really great great we have a we have a, a high return rate and one of the things that gives me extreme pleasure is the number of exhibitors who say this is the favorite festival that they do so we must be doing something right they they love the area the neighbors are all out volunteering, so they get to see the neighbors and they help them. Um, they like the fact that we have strolling subtle music. Um, we provide snacks for them. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's more than simply a show where you pay your registration fee and set up your canopy. <laughs> do all three of you, and we're speaking with Bob McCarroll and Freya Bromwich and Jason Alves, do all three of you live uh, in or around Mattoon Street? Is that what got you involved? Let's talk to Freya for a little bit there. Grab that microphone right in front of you. Swing <laughs> that right in front of your face there, Freya. You have to talk real close to it or else we won't be able to hear you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Even closer. Even closer. There we go. How's this? Perfect. Okay, great. Uh, so my husband and I moved into the neighborhood in 2018. And, um, you know, from then on, we learned about the festival and, of course, wanted to be a part of it. And we've been a part of it ever since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am and, I? Oh, go ahead. Like, and you specifically are a director of bringing in food. And I saw the list of folks that you have coming in, and mm-hmm. it's really varied. Like, it's, it's really lovely in that way. Like, mm-hmm. not every festival has as wide a range of stuff that, like, Mattoon Street is bringing in. What... What motivates you to make it as broad as possible? And where are you looking to get new folks coming in? I'm a foodie. Very ah, nice. So, um, you know, there have been attendees that have mentioned that it would be great to have a food vendor that's vegan, vegetarian oriented. And this is actually my, my first year participating on the uh, food vendor committee. So. With that said, I just did my research. I go to a lot of farmer's markets. One in particular in East Hampton uh, was where I found um, a lot of the food vendors that will be participating this year. So um, super psyched to have a Wicked Whisk who will be uh, participating on Saturday and Thai Chili Food Truck also met them at the East Hampton Farmer's Market. They will be participating as well. Um, and then, um, oh, I should also mention that Wicked Whisk is vegan, vegetarian oriented. And then on Sunday, we have the famous Vegan Pizza Land, uh, <laughs> whose outpost right now, I mean, they kind of pop around, but their, their current outpost is behind the abandoned brewery. So they are going to be uh, with us on Sunday, along with P. Froggy by Irita. And she specializes in Polish cuisine. And for those who've been listening to the show, you may remember our interview with Irida Kaktiranova, who lived in a church in Northampton as a refugee, tying into what we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. from Russia. She was about to be deported during the Trump administration and chose instead to live in sanctuary for two years. She then cobbled together a business out of that church in Northampton, making pierogies, which she now calls Pifrogi as her Pifrogi. marketing name for her uh, also pierogies. Her, her child calls them her, that. Her child started it. And uh, <laughs> she makes amazing pierogies. And she'll be part of this 50th anniversary of the Mattoon Street Arts Festival, which is happening this Saturday and Sunday on Mattoon Street in downtown Springfield. Let's take another little break right here. And we'll talk more about the Mattoon Street Festival and more about the evolution of Springfield over the years and everyone's involvement here with Freya Bromwich. 
Bob McCarroll, and Jason Alves. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. This Saturday and Sunday on Mattoon Street in Springfield, right near the Springfield Museums, is the 50th anniversary of the Mattoon Street Arts Festival. Over 90 exhibitors, food vendors, strolling musicians celebrating this neighborhood. True, Bob McCarroll, this is the longest-running art fair in the region. That's what I read in one of the articles about the festival. I don't know if this is... Uh, we got to get the news department to verify whether well, this is true or not. But. That's what I say, that we have persevered, and we're now the longest. No one has yet to correct me. Okay, so <laughs> listeners, the email is Bob... No, I'm just kidding. We would love to know if there's a longer art festival going than 50 years. Because, uh, you know, art doesn't have to be a competition. It's just you cool. Can duke it out. Yeah, you can have a fight. With art. Yeah. And paint fight. Jason Alves, um, who reached out about this festival, and I think it was so cool that there is like a neighborhood that has an art festival that's been going on so long in the city of Springfield. What is it about that street and that neighborhood that is important and special to you who lives there and is a professor at Stick and, you know, part of the community? Well, well, as a professor at Stick and someone who enjoys fine dining, I do like walking around and walking to work and walking uh, out for lunch but uh, and walking with my kids out to lunch. But the thing that makes Mattoon most special uh, to me are our neighbors, that we all are buying in, we all care, we're there passionately, we stop by at each other's table as we're eating outside, no one, there's there's no ill will, you know, that once in a while, you, of course, you, you're going to run into rubs of personalities, but there, everyone's in it together, there's a commonality, there's a common focus, we're trying to make this neighborhood that we love work. And same thing goes towards the festival. So We know Freya's only been in the neighborhood for a few years. How long have you been there, Jason? I, I was just wondering that when she said that. I, I think 15 <laughs> to 16 years. Oh, cool. And how have you seen the neighborhood and or the city of Springfield change in that time? Um, it, it is it is always fun uh, to, with Springfield. The you know people come, people go. I was born in Springfield. I I, I grew up on 16 acres. I moved downtown in the early 2000s, and I moved to Mattoon Street in the the late 2000s or mid 2000s. Um, and since that time, you know, again fads and and this is the thing and the panaceas come and go, casinos and all that stuff. What, what makes Springfield work are the people and the people who are invested in, in the city and, and uh, the neighborhoods that, that, that keep it together. How has the festival changed over the, the course of these 50 years? Have you seen it, certain things evolve and like come to the fore? The festival, when it first started, was only a one-day festival. I don't know when it expanded to two days. I've been coordinating the festival since 1996. So this is my 27th and a half festival. <laughs> I say a half because there was the 2020 festival that I spent six months on only to have it canceled because <laughs> of COVID. Um, We're not going to count that against yeah. you, Bob. No. So, so at one point, it was a one-day festival. It was fairly local artists, meaning f from, from basically Springfield area. Um, and it, it has fluctuated in size over the years. Um, in the mid-90s, we had actually shrunk. Um, and now we're at capacity. The, the Neighborhood Association has decided that we don't feel the need to go past Mattoon Street. And so we can accommodate about 100 exhibitors uh, on the street. That's really cool. Yeah, it's cool to max that out and still have this kind of real community event that doesn't 
need to get any bigger. That is so big for that. I mean, hundred vendors is a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> like that's a lot of things to see and do, right? Are there connections be- since it's so close to the museum? Do people like wander and and go see things and then come back and like? Does it engender a lot of conversation about the art itself and trying to incorporate that into the neighborhood? Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure there there is some synergy with with going to the museums. The other thing where there's probably synergy is we're normally the same weekend as the Glendy Festival, so people will come to Mattoon Street for a couple hours and then they'll go to the Greek Festival, which is like ten blocks away. So that kind of so synergy get your steps is a good in. Thing. Yes. Yeah, and Greek Festival. We want to talk to you too. We've been talking about this off the air a lot. It seems like that's a really fun festival. Especially because I don't, I can't, I keep trying to figure out what Glendy actually means, or it seems to just mean party. Mm, don't know. We're asking no, the wrong people. people. These are the Mattoon people. They know about Mattoon Street. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I, what I love about this is that it is—it's a neighborhood festival. It's not an ethnic festival. Not that there's anything wrong with having a Greek festival, but it's really about community. No matter who's in that community, people that have been doing the festival for years and years, and people that are newer to the neighborhood, or people that grew up their whole life in Springfield. Um, it seems like it's going to be a blast. It's this Saturday and Sunday, unless we get corrected by another art festival. As far as we know the longest-running art fair in the region for 50 years, the Mattoon Street Arts Festival this Saturday and Sunday. Thank you so much to the resident historian, Bob McCarroll, for uh, telling us about this, Jason Alves for reaching out, and Freya Bromwich for finding the excellent food that's going to be part of this festival this weekend. I have one extra, of course. To anybody who wants to answer, are, are there people coming back that you've seen before that you're really excited about that you hope people like notice their particular like pop up their particular tent, their particular art. Yeah, I I guess no one no one comes to mind. I mean, clearly we have exhibitors who've been with us for decades, um, and then we have people who 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 are here for the first time. Um, I uh, sadly, as the organizer, I have to worry about where they call it, where they're where they're going to be put and how they get set up. I spend less <laughs> you time. Get to you got it. It's like giving your own party. You never no. get to invo- enjoy your own party. <laughs> well, we hope that you will get to this Saturday and Sunday, at least a little bit, Bob. The Mattoon Street Arts Festival on Mattoon Street, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, before we run out of time here, we asked listeners about places that, unlike the Mattoon Street Art Festival that have been going on for 50 years, are gone, but not forgotten. And we got an email from Mike Clark, why don't I do part one, Khalees? And okay. then you, he, Mike Clark emailed and told us a bunch of things that he misses that are gone and not forgotten. Number one, the old Jack August Seafood Restaurant, where the vintage cellar currently resides above the bridge on Main Street in Northampton. It was a treasured family favorite reserved for special occasions, and as soon as you walked in, it smelled like melted butter. You also knew you were in for an awesome meal circa 1977-78. Oh, that pile of breaded scallops. Number two from Mike Clark. Sandy's Kitchen, Chicken Kitchen in Florence, currently occupied by the Great Wall. Best pork lo mein within 50 miles, in his humble opinion. Back in the day, they made the best pizza, fried chicken, and grinders in Florence. People still talk about it if you ask around. He worked there back in the 80s. It was his first food service job, and he's made a decent career of it with that as his starting point. Mike Clark's third 
gone but not forgotten suggestion is the old Hugo's down on Pleasant Street. R.I.P. Hugo's. That was my neighborhood bar for years. The best dive bar that ever existed, and I'll die on that hill, he says. <laughs> that only closed in the last couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love the fact that um, the comedian Stephen Wright, that was his, like, fa- he lived in Northampton, and that was, like, his favorite Northampton hangout, Hugo's there. So too bad that that one's gone. But not forgotten. Yeah. (laughs) And somehow still a liquor license, but we don't want to have that. Northampton and liquor license is a hard uh, uh, untie that knot, let's say. Yeah. We got another email about Gone But Not Forgotten from Adam Brisbane. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Places that aren't around anymore that I miss. Tasty Top, East Hampton. Another recent loss. Opa Opa in Southampton. The cow. (laughs) Kalisa and I just gave each other an inaudible look. No more comment. The Calvin, which is, uh, and Pearl Street, which uh, both of those are a slight dig. They did not mention the Iron Horse, which as you've been reading press, there may be another life for, which we've been uh, trying to get the folks on to talk about that. They don't really want to have an extensive conversation about it as of yet. Well, because like, don't jinx it is the the answer to that. Don't jinx it. And then he said that pinball place in Greenfield, I never got to go to. Um, I think he must mean the pinball place in Turner's Falls. Yes, and then also Hugo's, he seconds. Yeah. Uh, Mystic Pinball is what it was called on Avenue A in Turner's. That was one of my favorite places. Only there for a hot minute, yep. but uh, I, I totally miss that place. And frankly, if you've got another place that we haven't mentioned yet, we might get to, but let us know at thefab413 at nepm.org. We're still collecting them. We might find some folks who were involved with some of those places and do something a little bit more in-depth. Who knows? And a shout-out to Connecting Point, the former WGBY show that did an excellent segment about Gone But Not Forgotten for many years, and the producer there, Dave Frazier, as well as our director, Tony Dunn, who was involved in those projects, going and looking through the archives of what made places like, as Roxanne A. Pin from Roxy Pin Consulting, shameless plug, says, (laughs) Mountain Park, four exclamation points, and it is because of Roxy Pin that we do what she says in the postscript, P.S., stress that the email is... The Fab 413. Please include the definite article. At NEPM.org. We'll get to some more of your gone but not forgottens. And again, uh, it is still here and very much remembered. A thank you to the folks from the Mattoon Street Art Festival, which is happening uh, this Saturday. Wednesday on the fabulous 413, which is tomorrow, if I'm not I know. mistaken. I've already made a bunch of off. Tuesday mistakes. Apologies to yes. Phil, our engineer over there. <laughs> but we head to East Long Meadow to hang out at the Apple Place and talk with the folks running that spot about keeping apples alive in Western Mass. Plus comedy with a cause. We'll talk with Tim Lovett and Kim DeShields who are bringing comedy to the Academy of Music this weekend. And gender neutral pronouns with the word nerd. Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster. <laughs> Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, YouTube, MIA, Tony McAlpine, Linda Perry, and Taj Mahal. Our director is Tony Factory Reset Dunn. Our engineer is Betsy Burger King McRap Lankdo. Bart left a laptop on the chair ranking. Phil, sorry about your uh, dates that I got mixed up. And punk rude boy Dubay. <laughs> Congrats on surviving the format change, y'all. See you tomorrow. <laughs>